0: Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the word of God that will make you see beyond the latest in the word. Here is Dr. David. I want to thank you once again. We exhort your name. We come before you. We are demanding call for an understanding demanding God for revelation of your word. We are asking God for insight. Grant us God again the privilege to receive from you tonight. In Jesus name. Amen. Alright, we are still on our series on biblical language in numbers and now we dealing with number seven and I'm sure this is part number five on the series. Number seven. This is Number seven. Last week we dealt with number 6. And that was, in terms of the series, that was part 4. I'm sure, I mean part 5. Was it part 4? Part 4. This is part 5, right. This is part 5. So, we dealt with number 6. And um, I'm sure you still can remember what number 6 stands for. In um, the whole lot of the things I try to teach, you should be able to at least pick one or two things that can guide you. One cannot fully... Explain everything in the course of just one message. So basically, what messages does is it opens you up so that you can be able to begin to see light as you study the word of God. That's basically what studies really really is. When you study and, and somebody's teaching you, it opens you up, it gives you keys. So that when you open the Bible you begin to see what you've never seen before And that thread goes around the whole scripture so it becomes very clean to you So as much as possible take time to study So number 7 we're going to be doing with tonight Uh, What is number 7? And It's quite an extensive study as well I'm, I'm going to try to see how we can probably bridge it up and get through with this as well but first thing I just want you to know is seven means completeness. Completeness. When, when you talk about something that's complete, seven means completeness. Right? It sometimes means bringing a walk towards completion. Completeness? Bringing a walk towards completion. Or it can refer to a complete circle of things as allowed by God. So, seven means completeness, sometimes it means bringing a walk to completion, or to a close, or to conclusion. Or it can refer to a complete circle of things as allowed by God. Amen? Uh, I remember I did not mention that, perhaps I'm going to touch it again, but you see, when God spoke to Joshua, in Joshua chapter 6, when he talks about the wall of Jericho, you know the story, right? Good. They have to go seven times. That's on the seventh day. So that's a complete circle to bring to a conclusion, or a complete uh, our movement, it has to go seven times in one day on the seventh day. Is that okay? Right. And then the whole business came to an end. So that was bringing the whole circle of moving around the city to a conclusion. Did you get that? So that's seven. All right. Okay. Um, number seven is the foundation of God's word. I want you to get because it's very important. I'm going to give a scripture on that later. But it's the foundation of God's word. It's the number of completeness and perfection. The number of completeness and perfection. Number seven. Now, both spiritually and physically, this number derives most of its meanings from being tied to God's creating or creation of all things, in other words, the meaning is tied both spiritually and physically to God's creation of all things. The strongest meaning of this word, both spiritually and physically, I'm talking about number seven, is tied to God's creation of all things. Now it's interesting to know that the Hebrews believed, the Hebrew people, they believed that Adam was created on September 26, 3760 BC. That's the Hebrews, that's what they believe. And that was known as the fourth day of Tishri, the fourth day of Tishri, which is the seventh month on the Hebrew calendar. Baska believed that that was when Adam was created. And to them it was the seventh month in their calendar The Hebrews calendar Now the word create, for instance Is used seven times Describing God's creative work If you take time to study Genesis 1 And then uh, Genesis 2 And you note the word create God created, God made, God created it's used seven times in those two passages. The word create. Now, there are seven days in the weekly days. Is that okay? Of the creation week, there are seven days in a week. So, you have seven days. The week is completed. One week is finished because there are seven days. I don't know if I'm getting this now. So, seven now determines what makes a week. Is that okay? Right And then you have God's Sabbath Which is the seventh day But I want to make a point again Somebody was trying to (laughs) Say something Very funny Let's get to Genesis chapter 2 1 and 2 Somebody just made a comment Was reading through the post I made on Facebook And it was saying Oh this is bad How a shock Can somebody be talking about Sabbath at this time? I mean, anybody who is talking about Sabbath at this time doesn't know the Bible. <laughs> uh, funny enough, I just didn't need to respond. I just have to go to his own page and let him know that he has no understanding of the Bible and what he's talking about. You see, he was trying to say, We as Christians worship on Sunday. But the truth again is Sunday is not God's day. God have no day, all days are equal before God, it could be Monday, it could be Tuesday, it could be Wednesday, we choose Sunday because the world has made it that weekdays you have to rest, and we just feel well it's the best time for everybody to go and worship, otherwise God has no day for worship, all days are equal before God. If you take time to read Romans 14, you know what I'm talking about. Paul said, One observe one day, and to the Lord he observes it. And in fact, when people say, John said, I was in the Lord's day. That speak of Sunday. That was not true. If you really want to watch it, the Lord's day is the day that God crowned Christ as the Lord. I've explained this before, right? Good. That's what it means. The last day is the day to celebrate when he was enthroned. So he was trying to say, I was in the spirit on the last day, when Christ was enthroned as the Lord. He was not talking about your weekly Sabbaths. Of Sunday or Saturday. Is that a cheapish argument? God is not in weeks. <laughs> God is in in eternity. Now, the seventh day of God, for instance, let's look at that. Genesis chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were created, and all the hosts of them. And verse number 2 says, And on the seventh day God entered his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he has made. But you see this, you don't see in the evening and the morning, where the seventh day, there is no evening, there is no morning. But if you start reading in Genesis chapter 1, when you finish everything was you know the first day, the Bible now, in the evening and the morning were the first day. In the evening and the morning were the second day. In the evening and the morning were the third day. But when it gets to the second day, no evening, no money. It's an eternal day. That is Christ. Are you with me? Now people don't understand this. So they think he's talking about your your Saturday, God is not in a Saturday. Neither is even in a Sunday. He's in every day. Are you still there with me? Yeah, but you see, we, we start our day in the morning. How does God start his day? In the evening. You up and say, Good morning. You start in another day. But God starts his day from the evening. In the evening and the morning where the first day In the evening and the morning with the second day He did in the morning and evening <laughs> So you are not even in God's day Are you there with me? So if you wanted to count the way God can, his day We should start our day from evenings Why? Because There is that which is natural And that which is spiritual Dark which is earthly That which is heavenly Praise God So this is an eternal day. It's not talking about your weekly days. Is that okay? But we were seven. Okay. And so in Exodus twenty, God broke this down for the children of Israel to have a day to rest. In Exodus twenty, verse 10. That's why it says, But on the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God, in thee, thou shalt do any work. Thou know their son, know their daughter, the servant, know their maid servant, know their cattle, know their stranger that is within thy gates. So you now give them a weekly Sabbath, which is what is called Saturday to rest. Is that okay? Right. Because there's some importance. I'm going to show you why God intended this to happen so that you can recover. You see, it's a time of recovery. It's a grace to recuperate. That's why I give you Sabbath. Alright, in Leviticus 25 Verse 2 We also read uh, Leviticus 25 verse 2 Speak unto the children of Israel And say unto them When you come into the land which I have given to you Then shall the land Keep a sabbath Unto the Lord <laughs> And this is so, so Important Is that okay? Let the land keep a Sabbath. That means after six years, the seventh year you don't do anything on the land. Land the land keep a Sabbath unto the Lord. Hmm? Hallelujah. Are you here with me? All right. So I want you to give, I just need you to keep this passage because we're going to reference it again. So Sabbath was set in place after God finished his work. So it took like a pattern to give it to man. So Jehovah said a pattern for all other Sabbath arrangements you find in the Bible, in the whole book of Leviticus, from the 70 week to the year of Jubilee that follows the seven times, seven years cycle which are going to deal with, you know. When you begin to see seven times seventy give you forty-nine. Right? Then when you come to fifty it becomes the year of what? Jubilee. So all slaves were meant to be set free. Even if they took your land before from you because you could not pay your debt. Once you get to the year of jubilee you are free. You get back your property. So the seven The seven times, seventeen times circle have been completed, so a new season comes into place. Now you're going to understand why he said, If your brother should sin against you, forgive him seven times, seven times, or whatever the case may be in the book of Mark. And you can begin to understand, you know what? Set him free. So seven is a number of exoneration. Where you set men free, Hallelujah! Are we see here? All right. Several places in the book of Leviticus, you see, you said sprinkle the blood on the altar seven times. Do this seven times. Everything was seven, seven, seven. Which speaks of completion, which speaks of perfection, and all of that. Amen. All right. Just one else to go because I'm more important thing we're going to be talking about. Um, if you read the book of uh, Revelation We don't have time to read that Revelation chapter 1 Look at 20 That's um, verse 20 And then chapter 3 Verse 22 Read all of this from Revelation 1 20 through Chapter 3 to 22 You have the seven churches Remember that? Right The seven churches, which speaks of the age of the church. All right. There is something I would like us to read here in Revelation thirteen verse one. Let me just speak on this. Revelation thirteen verse one. And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, perfect authority. And upon his head, ten crowns, and upon his head the name of blasphemy. Amen. Right. Then if you go down again, you're gonna read something that verse one in particular. When you see there, and I stood upon the sound of the sea and saw a beast out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. What this means is seven is set as a boundary. It's the completeness of the beast. Beyond this, it can't go. Amen? Because you see, once something gets to seven, it's complete. I don't know if I are getting this. So the beast can't get other holes beyond that. In other words, God set a circle for the beast that this is where it must end. Praise the Lord. Now the beast is not only about animals. Talking about the system of government, the government of man is always referred to as beastly, far the Bible is concerned. Kings rising up are referred to as beasts in the Bible. Is that okay? All right. Praise the Lord. Okay. Um, let me go back. Leviticus twenty-six, verse number eighteen. No. Uh, Twenty-six. Okay, take it here, let's see. And then... uh, Leviticus 26, verse 18. What do you have there? If you win, uh, go back a little bit. Let's take it from 17. And I will set my face against you, and you shall be slain before your enemies. They that hate you shall reign over you, and you shall flee when... Not persuade you Then the next thing And if you were not yet for all this hacking unto me Then I will punish you Seven times more For your sins Seven times more What does that supposed to mean? I will discipline you seven times more That means I will bring you to complete discipline And when you talk about Chastening seven times more for your sins It's not you talking about maybe Flog you before, you want to flog you seven times now, but no, bring bringing the punishment to a realm of completion. I'm going to explain more of that so you see what I mean. So, now if you look at the Bible itself, the Bible you're reading from Genesis to Revelation it divided into seven parts. The Bible is divided into seven parts. You have the law, you have the prophets. You have the writings or the signs. Four, you have the gospel and the acts. Five, you have the general epistles. Six, you have the epistles of Paul. And seven, you have the book of Revelation. Seven divisions. The Bible you're reading. We also found that the total number of inspired books was 49, which is 7 times 7 and that reveals the absolute perfection of the Word of God. The inspired books originally we have 49. And what is 49? Seven times seven. They give you perfect authority and absoluteness of God's word. Praise the Lord. I don't have time to catalog this for you, but if you take time to read in the Old Testament, the word... Man of God Was used seven times For seven people Man of God Was used seven times For seven people It was used for Moses for was used for Samuel It was used for Shania, Elijah Elisha Egliah Seven of them Were referred to as Man of God does that word. That's what's so much important to you, so don't bother yourself about that. Now, if you study the book of Matthew, you find that Jesus is quoted as giving seven parables. Now, while I'm going through all of this, for you to understand the place of the use of the word seven Jesus gave seven parables and he did seven miracles on the Sabbath. These things are not coincidence. They were pointing to reality, they were pointing to completion of the circles that the children of Israel were supposed to be and what God is bringing the world into at the end of the day. So he gave seven parables. And it did seven miracles on the Sabbath day. Remember how many times they were quoting him, Why must you do this on Sabbath? Why must you do this on the Sabbath? Remember that? God. We got seven miracles done on the Sabbath day by Jesus Christ. And we also have seven parables given by Jesus Christ. So you always want to ask yourself, Why are these things seven? Is telling us of completeness, perfection. Amen. So, like we said, if you take time to study, we have the seven churches, the book of Revelation. We have seven angels to the seven churches. Then we have seven seals. We have seven trumpets or plagues. We have seven thunders, and we have seven last plagues. All of them are seven Praise the Lord Okay I want us to look at something in the book of First Kings chapter 18 40, 42 to 44 four. First Kings chapter 18 42 to 44 So we have went up to eat and to drink And Elijah went up to the top of Camel, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. And the Bible said, and he said to his servant, go up now, look towards the sea. And he went up and looked and said, Hallelujah. Okay, I just got something. There is nothing, and he said, go again, how many times? Seven times. He asked the servant to go, what, how many times? Seven times. And the rain began to come. Completeness, perfection, faith. It's a clear number for faith. Number seven. Is that okay? This is complete faith demonstrated by Elijah. Elijah. Amen. So you just keep praying and then go watch and go watch. Seven times and they say, I see. Something like a man's hand coming up. Remember that. And the rain begin to fall. Amen. And so when you read. Now oh help me God. Proverbs 24 verse 16. Ain't I saying? For if a judgment man fell seven times and riseth up again, but wicked shall fall into all mischief. That is to say, the man with faith will always stand. No matter what happens. The seven times is not indicating that you always fall seven times, but he saying, no. There is a circle at which you fall and you come and you stabilize by your faith, The righteous man shall fall seven times and shall rise again. Praise the Lord. Are you getting this? Right. So when we we use words like this, we are saying there's a place for stability for the righteous man. It can go beyond that. There's a circle at which a righteous man falls, but comes to be stabilized in life that he will never fall again. There's a limit. There's a boundary set before the righteous man by God that he cannot cross in terms of falling. No, you will rise again seven times. You must come to the place of perfection and complete, you know, stability in life that he will not fall anymore. But. The wicked man will get into mischief As compared to the righteous man There's no boundary for the wicked man By implication God does not set any Target for the wicked man To continue, I mean to stop falling Amen Alright, so let's look at Daniel chapter 7 I mean chapter 9 24 to 27 Hallelujah some Seventy weeks are determined upon the people and upon the holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of things and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to set up the vision and prophecy and to anoint what? The most holy place. Hallelujah. You can read through all of that. Notice therefore and understand that from the going forth Of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem, unto the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks, and three score, and two weeks, and streets shall be built again, and the wall, even in what? In troublesome time. Jacob's trouble, whatever the case may be. Now, the key point I want you to see is the verse 24. What do you think Daniel was talking about? Seventy times, seven times Or seven times, seventy times Is that okay? Here's the tummy for your people What he was talking about is what you are going to see In Matthew chapter 18 If your brother offend you Forgive him seventy times, seven times And this brings you to How long The process of slavery And reconciliation Was going to take place So he speaks of perfect forgiveness So God was just speaking to Daniel and telling him Your people shall be completely forgiven And then the sacrifices which will always be made In terms of the animal sacrifices Are going to be taken away There will be only one sacrifice Which is Jesus Christ That's what we're talking about To bring reconciliation for iniquity And to bring in what? Everlasting righteousness. No, it's no longer righteousness coming from the animals that you offer every day. Only one righteousness is going to be accepted, and that is the righteousness of Christ. So that's what he's saying. That is the 70 times, 70 times everything ended up on the cross of Jesus. And since I mean, we're forgiven. The people were reconciled, as it were, through the sacrifice of Jesus. That is just what we're talking about. So, what is it supposed to mean? Seven times, 70 times, it's not talking about complete what? Forgiveness. That's what is it's way Hallelujah. Now, I need to say this. In 2nd Chronicles 36 Verse 19 The Bible says And they born the house of God Now In reading this on the What we read in Deuteron- I mean, Leviticus 25 Is that you keep the Sabbaths After six years Allow the land To observe the Sabbaths are you listening to me? Good. Now what you're about to read is what happened because Israel could not keep the Sabbath of the land. Second Chronicles 36 verse 19 And they burned the house that's Babylonians the body of house of God and break down the wall of Jerusalem and burnt all the palaces thereof with fire and destroy all the godly vessels. And then had he escaped from the sword, carried he away to Babylon, where there were servants to him and his son, until the reign of the kingdom of Pesha. And then the Bible said, to fulfill the word of the law by the mouth of Jeremiah, until the land had enjoyed her Sabbath. For as long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath, to fulfill three score and ten years. How many so this can tell that gives you how many years? Seventy years. So the seventy years that the children of Israel were in Babylon was for the land to observe what? Have Sabbath. Why? Because they refused to observe the land Sabbath. God has said because you refuse to observe this, I'm taking you to captivity so that the land can observe what Sabbath. That is why they have to be Babylon for seventy years. Are you getting this? And so Daniel reading through the book discovered that, well, God said we are going to be out of this city or out of Jerusalem for 70 years because we fail. When he was praying for the sins of the fathers, when he said forgive the sins of the fathers, this is part of what he was talking about. The father, the father refused to observe the Sabbath, the yearly Sabbath, to allow the land to go follow for one year as long as our fathers refused to observe that. That's why we came into captivity. So it's God forgive. The sins of our fathers. You said 70 years, so let us go back home. So this 70 years, God said, the lion is going to observe what? Sabbath. Because God gave it to them. In Leviticus 25. You walk for six years, you allow the lion to rest for one year. And God said there's going to be enough increase and multiplication on the sixth year for the harvest so that for the whole year you're not going to sow anything. There's more than enough for you. What is that teaching you? If you observe the Sabbath of God, if you go by the word of God, even what you are pursuing now will be in store for you. Praise the Lord. God is using to teach each and every one of us. That if God gives us instruction, even if He asks us to leave our jobs, it's because He has already made a provision for us, amen? It's wiser than every one of us, so if He said, work for six days and rest, allow that to happen, rest, the provision for that six days, He will make it available to take care of the seven day. Praise the living God. So now you can see why these people were in bondage because they refused to observe the Sabbath. Just look at the book of um, Jeremiah 25, verse 11 alone. We don't have time to read all of this. 25, 11, And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment. This nation shall serve the King of Babylon, 70 years. Listen same thing. Is that okay? So you find the whole of that in Jeremiah 25. This is part of what Daniel saw when he saw, he saw by the books. That they were supposed to be in captivity for 70 years. Amen? So, let me help you again to summarize this. Seven speaks of completion. Is that Okay? It denotes completion and the crucifixion even when Jesus made those seven statements on the cross. In agony from that cross he made seven statements. How many of you remember that? Maybe I'll just run through them. In Luke 23 verse 34 he said, Father forgive them for they know not what they do. Luke 23, 43 He said, Thou shalt be with me in paradise. Today, Thou shalt be with me in paradise. John 19, 26 to 27 simple thing is Woman, behold thy son and son, behold thy mother. Said that to Mary and John in Matthew twenty-seven, verse forty-six. That's when he said, "My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me?" In John nineteen twenty-eight, he simply said, "I task. John nineteen twenty-eight, I task. And then John 19:30, he said, It is finished. And finally, in Luke 23, verse 46, Father, into thy hand I commend my spirit. These are the seven statements he made on the cross. Now, when you bring it to that place, now you come to the place of completion, absolute completion. In other words, the sacrifice is finished. And everything I say, bended in the sacrifice, is all completed. When I specifically use the word, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And scripture actually tells us that, if the prince of this world have known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The prince of this world are not talking about demons. They are not talking about anything else. They are actually talking about the scribes and the Pharisees. That's what people don't know. <laughs> it was the Pharisees, basically, that crucified Jesus. Amen? Are you listening to me? Right. But like I explained to you the other time, they are Greek, on I and they don't remember to file it because the Gentiles have to be part of it for the whole world to be involved in the crucifixion. How did I say that? Remember, he wrote the, the king of the Jews for written in Latin, Aramayan, and Hebrew. These were the common languages at that time, spoken by the Roman Empire at that time. Now, if the Romans were not involved in it, it means it's going to be an issue with the Jews alone, but he didn't die for the Jews, he died for the whole world. So what happened? The Jews agreed for him to be killed, but the world had to use their metal to kill him. Because if the Jews were the one to kill him, they would stone him. But for the world to come in, it has to be crucified. The Romans crucified people, they don't stone. The Jews don't crucify, they stone are you following what I'm talking about? So there have to be a collaboration Between the Jews and the Romans That is to said the whole world Crucified him They agreed to kill him All of our deeds <laughs> So when he said forgive them He's not talking about forgive the Jews Forgive the whole world So all of us are forgiven Because all of us were involved in crucifying him are <laughs> you see what I'm talking about? Because it's not the Jews that killed him. If he said the Jews, that they would stone him to death. The law says the wages of sin is death. Anytime you sin, carry stone, That's what Moses said. But now it was not stone that was used If God had allowed them to use stone There will have been strictly an affair Of the Jews No, but he didn't die for the Jews He died for the whole world Now if he's going to die for the whole world The whole world must be involved in rejecting and killing him And so he has to be crucified Using the Roman method And not the Jewish method Is it making sense? Praise the living God So you see, so when people make arguments, oh, was Jesus crucified? Was Jesus crucified? No, Jesus was not crucified. You know, they have no understanding of what they are arguing about. Because as of when he was crucified, the Roman government was in power. And the Roman people don't use stones to kill criminals. They crucify them on a tree. Are you with me? Praise the living God. Alright. So, if you take time again, now I'm trying to show you the power of seven. Is that okay? Right. Seven times seven, seven times seventy times, all of those things. Right. Complete forgiveness. That's what it means. Now, take time to study the lost prayer in Matthew 6, reading from verse 10. You find that Jesus made seven points. On the prayer. We don't have time to go into that. But study that by yourself. Don't go back, and read it. It makes seven points. On that last prayer. If you study it. That's what you're going to get. This one is very interesting for you. He described himself. In seven metaphors. That's figurative languages. Jesus described himself. In seven metaphors. In the Bible. When I mean metaphors, I mean uh, figure of speech. For instance, in John 6:35, he says, "I am the light of the world." That's a metaphor. Is that okay? Good. In John 8 and verse 12, he referred to himself as the gate of salvation. John chapter 8, verse number 12. The gates of salvation of your will. Summary. In John 10, verse 9, he referred to himself as the Good Shepherd. Hmm? Then in John 10, verse 11, he referred to himself as the Resurrection and the Life. In John 11, 25 to 26, he said, I'm the Way, the Truth, and the Life. In John fifteen verse five, he said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. John fifteen, verse five. Praise the Lord. So he described himself metaphorically with seven different words. And he ended there perfection, completeness, and nothing more. But I find this very interesting. Psalm twelve, verse number six. Psalm twelve, verse number six. The words of the law are pure words, as if tried in the furnace of what of art, purified. How many times? Seven times. That is to say, you can trust God's word. Did you understand that? That would mean by the word is purified seven times. You can trust the word of God. It's perfect. It's complete. It can defend itself if it you can put faith in God's word. Because the word is tried seven times, tested, proven. That is to say, God's word is perfect. And complete. Are you there? Okay. If you look at the life of Jesus as touching the Messiah, you can just write it down as well. Isaiah 11 1 two, 3. It describes the seven qualities with which he's going to rule this life, and we call that the seven spirits of God. Seven, you see, sometimes when you read, you know, ask yourself the question, Why must it be seven spirits? Why is it limited to just seven spirits? I don't know if you're getting this. Yeah, this is why all of these things happen in this way, and you begin to see several running through. Why? Because several speaks of completeness, speaks of perfection. So, we're talking of perfect spirits that which he was going to live his life as a Messiah. Praise the Lord. But I love this one. As close to the one that we read in Jubilee. Deuteronomy chapter 15, 1 to 2. Deuteronomy 15, 1 to 2. Help me now. Hallelujah. What is that? At the end of every seven years, God shall make a release. <laughs> release of what? Okay, look at the next verse. This is num- the manner of the release. Every creditor that lendeth out unto his neighbour shall release it. He shall not exact it of his neighbour, of his brother, because it's called the law's release. By implication, if I owe you some debt, and this debt are lingered for seven years. When I get to the seventh year You don't come back to draw me Those money anymore It is time I'm no longer Owing you So seven Speaks of exoneration Freedom, forgiveness Praise God Somebody Are you getting that? Was it get to the seventh year You don't come knock on my door I'm a free man man Several sets me free. Are you seeing that? Praise the living God. So it's a year of exoneration or a number of exoneration, a number of cancellation, where debt are cancelled, and it's a time to set slaves free. Meaning, if you enter into the rest of the Sabbath, you are actually set free. Which is Christ. And no wonder Jesus said, if the Son of Man sets you free, then you must be free indeed. The Sabbath sets you free. Are you liking this? I love this one so much. It's a time for conciliation of debts. It's a time to set men free. And so, that takes you now to Matthew 18, 21, 22 Matthew 18, 21-22 Then came Peter to him and said, Lord How often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him Till seven times <laughs> And that takes you now again back To Deuteronomy 15 In a way But let's get the answer Jesus said unto him I say unto thee unto seven times But what? Until seventy times seven And I will give you what? Four hundred and ninety. So that gives you the seventy week of Daniel, Midian chapter nine. Are you getting this? Jesus wasn't talking to Peter in terms. Of, now think about that. One of the things you will see from here is unlimited forgiveness. In other words, you keep forgiving and forgiving until you. you in fact, I don't know. If you, in one day, remember, in one day, is that okay? I, no, I offend you. Okay, I forgive you. I forgive you. If I'm going to forgive for this number of times in one day, that means we have no other business to do. But than to offend ourselves and forgive ourselves. 490 times in one day. Oh, come on. This talking about the day of the Lord when the glory and the presence of His goodness comes in to forgive the sins of the world. Forgive us our sins. Oh my goodness. Are you following what I'm talking about? Jesus was simply trying to say, Hey Peter, listen to me. I've come to fulfill Daniel chapter 9. I'm going to forgive all of you who sin against me as a father. To bring reconciliation with what i before in Daniel chapter 9. Hallelujah. To bring in the everlasting righteousness. He was not talking about what he was going to do on the cross. He's not talking about what you do with yourself every day. How, how are you going to be forgiven? He said, Peter said, seven times? He said, I didn't say seven. I say seven times seventy. How are you going to do that? Huh? See, so we're talking of unlimited forgiveness. Unconditional forgiveness. So God forgave humanity completely. That is seven times seventy times. Four hundred and ninety. And then the next time you see, after you finish the... Uh, <coughs> The cycle of jubilee. Now you enter into what the 50 year, which is now jubilee. Once you finish? it on four seven nine. I mean, 490 was the next. You enter 50, which is what jubilee. Praise the living God. Now, are you surprised that pentacles have to happen On the 50th day? Because suppose we be are time to set man free. Hallelujah. Are you surprised that the people that Elijah Elijah saying, no, the king sent to Elijah to go and capture him, there were 50 there were 50 bunch of people, so they were actually Pentecostals huh? Are <laughs> you following what I'm talking about? So the first 50, then another 50 the 50 bunch of crazy guys but the last 50 understood something, said there's something different in this man Please can you come down We didn't come to arrest you We need you to come down Praise the living God Are you sitting there with me? So this is what Jesus is saying here And that takes you from that Deuteronomy that we just read So we are not just playing here Seventy indicating without limit This time for forgiveness It means forgiveness completely In fact the Jewish people understand this phrase Completely means complete forgiveness That's how the Jews took it the Jews understood that because they were actually burdened than it alone. So when Jesus said this, the Jews understood what he meant. Complete forgiveness. No restraint, no reservation, no remembrance of what the person have done is complete forgiveness. When you forgive, forgive. Is that okay? That's what it means. Seven times what? Seven. Seventy times what? Seven. And that gives you four hundred and ninety. Praise the Lord. You see how powerful seven is. So for me, the major thing I remember number seven for is forgiveness, completeness, as far as the Lord is concerned, a time of my rest. When I think about seven, that's what comes to my mind. When I meditate about number seven, that's what comes to my mind. Now let me show you something that will be very interesting. Second King chapter nine, I mean chapter five, verse nine and ten. Second King chapter five, 9 and 10. Hallelujah. Glory, glory. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariots and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and watch in Jordan, how many times? Seven times. And the flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. Hallelujah. What does that supposed to mean? It means seven is a number for healing. Hallelujah. And that is why you find that Jesus performed seven miracles. Seven healing miracles were performed by Jesus. Because seven is connected to healing. So Naaman had to dig seven times and then he got healed. Can you see that? And like I said, Jesus will have to perform seven healing miracles in the Bible. So, seven stands for what? Healing. Are you picking those facts? Even if you don't get all the scriptures. Seven stand for healing, seven for complete forgiveness. Are you following me? Stand for completeness, stand for perfection, stand for rest. You just summarize those things for yourself. Is that okay? It stands for exoneration. It stands for cancellation of debts. Number seven. Hallelujah. Let me take the next few minutes. Now, it stands for swearing at the perfection of a promise. The Hebrew word for swearing and oath is Sheba, S-H-E-B-A. And that same word is seven in the Hebrew. Swearing of a note is called Sheba. Sheba equals seven. So Sheba actually means satisfaction and fullness. So seven is standing for satisfaction and fullness. Now I'll give you a scripture on that. Genesis 9... We look at 8 to 15. We don't have all the time to read that. Genesis 9, 8 to 15. You have the promises of the rainbow. I want you to find out the rainbow. Seven colors. Huh? What we call right beef. In Acts. Where's Lucky in this house? Alright. Am I right, Lucky? Rainbow. What's Rainbow red, orange, indigo. Huh? Are we here? Huh? Green, blue, violet. Good. Is that okay? That's rainbow. Now, if you take the rainbow and put it in a a prism, by implication, if you take a white light, shoot it through a prism, it comes out with seven colors, which is perfection. Now, white light speaks of perfection. So seven speaks of what? Perfection, fullness, satisfaction. So God promised the rainbow and it has to do with seven colors. And so Revelation 12 and Revelation 10. we we'll go to Revelation 10. Let's look at Revelation chapter 10, verse number one. And I saw another mighty angel came down from heaven clothed with what? The clouds and what? A rainbow was upon his head and his face was as the twelfth the sun and his feet as what? pillar of fire. The air was clothed out with a cloud and carried what? Rainbow. What is it supposed to mean? Rainbow says I ah, will no longer destroy the earth with water like I've done in the days of Noah. It was a means of of making a covenant and an oath with mankind, I will no longer destroy. And when I said this is Jesus being presented here, people get mad. But this is a covenant son. He came as a covenant to say, because of his sacrifice, I will no longer. And so what is on his head is a covenant that God has made with the earth. Praise the living God. Okay. Go with me to Genesis twenty-one. Uh, this is a long reading, but just write it down. Genesis 21, 22 to 31. You see how that Abraham swore an oath when he bought the well of ownership by the well of water. He swore an oath there. He certified the oath with the gift of seven lambs and named it Beersheba, meaning well of an oath of seven. The well of an oath of seven. Are you there with me? All right. So, it shows completeness, it shows perfection, it shows ownership, and it comes to the place of, that will represent an oath, a covenant, that cannot be broken. Sheba equals seven, which means an oath. Is that okay? Alright, we shared this last week. In John 6, 1 to 20, the wall of Jericho came down when? On the seventh match. Right? Which took complete victory for who? For Israel. So what is seven showing again? Complete what? Victory. Write it down. It shows complete victory. So don't miss these things. We're looking at complete victory. Because you see, in case you begin to see seven. Maybe you're having some issues and God begins to minister to you with number seven. You should be able to understand God is about to give me complete victory. Are you there with me? Right. And then certain things are happening, and you begin to doubt your call, and God begins to show you number seven. God is like trying to say, I'm swearing an oath, or sworn an oath, I'm saying this is what I'm going to do. You are coming to a place of confirming the oath God of taken Amen. So we see that seven stands for completion. Exoneration, fulfillment of promises. Meaning God ascribes sacred number, I mean, sacred nature to this number seven. In other words, he gave it some quality. This number seven. And so, but it doesn't really mean that every time seven is mentioned in the Bible, it's divinely attached, or there's a divine attachment to it. That is not necessarily what we're saying. But largely, God uses some spiritual. Attachment to this particular number when you read. So, if I may want to add one or two things for you, at time is almost up. When you dream, like I said just now, when you're having your dreams and you begin to see number seven, primarily what do you think you begin to see? You're talking of inner self and you rebate. a rebate. Inner self. And a rebate. And a kind of inner self discovery and wisdom. Because that's what stands for completion. You take wisdom to build, you take wisdom to complete. If you go back to I think Proverbs 8, he tells you I have wisdom. Right? And it talks about union on the seven pillars. Can you remember that? Good. So, once you begin to have a dream and seven is showing up, the primary thing God is trying to tell you is the reconfiguring of your inner man. A lot of wisdom is about to burst forth from your inner man. It's talking about you going inward to take out light and life. In of that which you are about to do. is revealing to you the power and the grace to bring that project to a completion. Is inner man awakening, if I may use the word. Because wisdom of you has seven pillars. Are you following what I'm saying here? And wisdom is eternal. It's an eternal thing. So if you're dreaming and you're seeing seven God is about unleashing some high level of wisdom into your life, supernatural wisdom. Hallelujah! So it speaks of Beth and Rebekah. You know, like we said, we spoke about sacred vows that you are made. So sometimes God could be reminding you: remember the vow you made when you came to me. Remember the vow you made when you became maybe you know. Most of them people come to the church And they say they made vows And sometimes you hear people say Well I want to renew my vow Have you had things like that? Dude, alright So sometimes God will be showing you these scriptures And trying to say Hey remember the vows you made Are you with me? Right When you first came to me Remember I told you Genesis 21, Abraham made a vow With the well, the Beersheba The well Well, of an oath. Is that okay? Because it's seven. So, if seven is coming to you so much regularly, God could be speaking, man, I want to unleash some wisdom in your life. On the other hand, remember the vows you made when you came to me the first time. Renew your vows. Are you there? So, it speaks of a kind of solitude, you know, where a kind of spiritual awakening and enlightenment begins to come to your life. At that moment, the ingenuity of life that will enable you to do stuff will begin to be unfolding I mean it's about to unfold when you begin to see this and like we said before like in the case of Naaman like the seven miracles that Jesus performed for the healings of those people it also shows that God is about to bring some healing and spiritual growth to your life Healing to your spiritual lethargy Your weakness You bring in I mean bring you up to If you are physically sick Okay fine You are about to launch into a realm of healing When you begin to see this in your dream Are you there? So like I said He's speaking of healing Spiritual knowledge And intuition You begin to see beyond What you used to be Are you there with me? Are you following me at all? Good. So, that's the point. So, the kind of work when, when you begin to see this, when God begins to show you dreams and you see number seven. Now, guess this right. I, I, I don't want you to think what I'm teaching is numerology. I mentioned that last week. This is not numerology, this is Bible language in numbers. And I know I'm emphatic about that. Is that okay? Right. But when God begins to show you these things, you should know that you are in complete relationship with God and it's about to direct your footsteps It's about to direct your walk with Him. Right? So, because time for spiritual growth and attaining to a spiritual realm. Meaning you might be paying attention to your inner growth and intuition so that you may continue growing spiritually and getting enlightened. When you begin to see this, so God is drawing attention. Take care of your spiritual life. Think more. Is that okay? Are we here? Okay. So in this case, you need to come to the place of meditation. You go within to find grace and spiritual awareness. When God begins to call your attention, so you need to get off. You know, from so many activities and all that. You need to get out of so many clouded activities. like one of my spiritual mentors, I mean, my spiritual mentor, as a matter of fact, for the past one month, even away, you don't see him. You know, celebrate, so ask him to, to come aside. And he's just in there. You know, you, you, no communication, nothing with anybody. It's, it's a time to go inward. That's number seven. To go discover things between you and God. Time of solitude Praise the Lord Remember Meditation can be the form of contemplation When I say meditation Can be the form of contemplation Deep thoughts, prayers, faith Intuitive and inner Searching and even questions All these things are Meditations Is that okay? For instance if you are alone And you say God what do you want me to do It's a question Is that okay? Right is part of meditation. You see? When you when you when you when you need them to pray and say, God, who am I? It's meditation. We think it's prayer. You, know, you see the way we think is prayer is something you must shout, you must you know, all of this stuff most times. But it's not. I showed us here the first time the Lord had to speak to me about what He's called me to do and uh, the ministry He wants me to to carry on with, I told you how the experience came. I wasn't shouting. It was about 9 p.m. in the night. I just nailed down in my parlor and then I just was praying. I was on my own. I wasn't talking to anybody, but I just said, God, I know. This is a question I asked. As I know, there are five offices. I also know that whoever is preaching the Bible, they call him pastor. But I know there are five offices in the Bible. What do you call me for? It was a question I asked. Is that okay? And the hand grew from the wall I was looking at the hand Grew from the wall I wrote down a passage Which is belonging to me Only few of you know that Is that okay? Right Wrote down a passage of scripture From the book of Second Timothy Remember that? Right So I have to pick my Bible And I read it And then I knew Exactly what God called me for But even at that time I have not been in ministry I was still working As a simple servant but what I'm telling you is that That was meditation I don't know if you're getting this Right So when you begin to see number 7 God is calling you to come up To come apart To meditate To pray this kind of solitude prayer Not noise making If you want to find But it's not For instance The prayer I just prayed I I'll be praying that For other people to hear What I'm praying about I was just talking to my father What do you call me for I know there are Five, ministry in the bible I know that everybody that carries the bible is called a pastor that's a generic name but what is my office and I got the answer I don't know if you are getting this right so that is meditation sometimes the way you pray is not the way you are supposed to pray some things could be very rough All you need to do is kneel down or whatever place Even you can just sit down and be talking to the father and say but what actually is going on and then you get answers Amen So number 7 Guys you to overcome It speaks of beneficial times To come Obstacles overcome And success realize Like we find in the case of Joshua chapter 6 The obstacle to the wall of Jericho <laughs> Was broken down Overcoming Victory is coming Number 7 Is that ok hey, Are we still here Alright and so again, when, when you start seeing number seven, it speaks of you being on the right path. You are on the right path. That's what it means. So it could show you in line your divine path of life, like I just said, in the prayer that I prayed and the answer that came to me. Number seven is showing you you are on the divine right path of life that God has ordained for your life. Amen? Praise the Lord. So in that case, you keep up with what you are doing. You follow what we are doing, you know. Like yesterday, I had, uh, was it yesterday. Oh man, this is. I gotta stop. Sorry. Okay, let me just write this for you. Um. Okay. All right. Like I said, it means overcoming obstacles. Have I said that? Yes. Okay. Okay. Repeating seven in a dream is what suggests to you your ambitions will be realized, and all obstacles, like I said, will overcome. With enough strength and purpose Enough strength and purpose It's encouragement So then you listen to your inner man Listen to the voice that's speaking from within You know The Christ that is guiding you So again Finally it speaks of fruition That you're going to be fruitful You know The fact that you are on the right path And doing well It shows that Your positive effort, effort Is going to be fruitful At the end of the day Amen Praise the Lord so that is the point, and it's important you come to this level of life uh, understanding the things because they will help you. Uh, was it yesterday, two days ago? I had an experience um, when there was a discussion coming up in my vision, and then somebody said, Angel Gabriel is coming to answer the question for you, and what that was about to happen. I don't know what happened, I think there was no lie. So my wife shook me and I woke out of the dream. And then Jagab could not talk to me and I would say, You drove me away and you gave me now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Oh but it was so beautiful. You understand what I mean? Yeah, these things we read in the Bible, they are real and they can play out in your life. You know, you just can't say is about to talk to you to give you an answer to that. You know, and then she just shook me and I woke up. Oh my god, I said you just drove in, drove me away at your house. now. <laughs> There's no way to bring it back. Praise God. So, I want you to experience God. I want you to come to the place of knowing that. Okay, I read this final scripture. Forgive me. Hebrews 12, I want us to refer to 22. I just want to know where you are. And you can take it for a very simple translation, my brother. Hebrews 12, 22. Uh, Any translation, one NIV? Okay, fine. But you have come to Mount Zion. Now, there are two mountains in the Bible. Mount Zion and Mount Sinai. So it's trying to tell you where you are. Israel physically went to Mount Sinai. You as a believer in Christ, you come to Mount Zion. You understand that? Okay. You've come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. The what? You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. This is what I want you to get right what's the next thing to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven we are not going to have our name written they are already written we are not going to die together listen if you go to heaven and you can't find your name that means you were never born again here are you there with me and if you are born again now you should be able to know with double assurance I'm telling you today you already know your name is in the book of life your right there in heaven Nobody's going to erase it Hallelujah! The man who wrote the name, the kind of ink he used cannot be erased by any man. Your name is written; is written. I love what Pilate said. That which I have written, I have written. There's nothing I can do about it. So your name is already in heaven. You, whether you want to believe it or not, your name is there. Is that okay? Uh huh. Then the next thing, he says, No wait. Let's, let's take it. Let me finish that. Verse 20, yeah, 23. Total the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God. The judge of all, and to what? The spirit of righteous men made perfect. Who are these people? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Samson, Sarah, Gideon, Deborah. All of those people. They are right here with us. We share fellowship with them. That is why in your dreams they could visit you to show you things that you don't know. This is a privilege we have. In being born again into the household of faith. For we are now in Mount Zion And all of our brethren, hallelujah, praise God, somebody. They are watching us. All the same, the heroes of faith, the Deborahs, the Rehabs, they are all watching us. When we are in this, even right here, they are here right now with us. That's why when you sleep, just know that you are not alone. You are in the midst of the Lord of people. Midst of angels. So I wasn't surprised when they said Angel Gibra is about to talk to you. Because we are all together. We are in Zion. Seven perfection, completeness, exoneration, cancellation of death, wisdom, freedom. Come on. Hallelujah. I'll see you next week.